The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Hello, everyone. All of our friends out there in Arrowhead Addict land. I guess I should just call you Arrowhead Addicts. Uh, yeah, we're so glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad Sterling's here. I just wish someone would shut the door. It's getting a little drafty in here. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to use that joke every episode from now through the end of April. Sterling, I'm sorry. You're shaking your head already. We haven't even gotten going, but my friend, how are you today? I'm doing well. I, I, I'm doing great. And frankly, while that joke may not be great, you know what is great? Casey Bierko. Casey Bierko, right the it. best beer, the best sponsor. Look, look at that neon sign. Do you think I would have a neon sign if I didn't represent and actually believe in the beer? It's incredible. And they're never say IPA. Their newest edition is phenomenal as well. It's called this because they said they would never make an IPA. Well, guess what? They broke their own rules. My first sip, first reaction was, holy shit, this is good. I literally texted them and had to let them know how much I enjoyed this beer uh, from the, from Dunkel to the Hefeweizen. Try this new iteration from Casey Birko. Never say IPA. I highly, highly recommend it. Please drink responsibly, 21 plus. But again, go there, go to the beer hall. They added a nice little, uh, little uh, covering to some of the outdoor patio. So if you don't want to get sunburnt like me, you can sit under there and have an ice cold beer. Casey Birko dare to be different i i saw photos of that it it looks great like what was already a destination is now a cooler destination uh so love it hey so glad so many of you are are tuning in joining us uh if you're here let us know in the comments um certainly you know whether you're viewing or watching we have a great episode for you today just one of the best persons in all of chiefs media chiefs kingdom is here our special guest today Ryan Tracy at uh, look, uh, Ryan was actually with us back in the day at AA. He has since stepped out. Um, he's he's the president of Rogue Performance Consulting with 20 years experience as a performance coach. He actually developed a thing called the Athletic Matrix, a next gen algorithm based athleticism index for NFL draft prospects. Look, he, he brings a point blank bottom line approach to his media outlets. You've heard him as the host of Locked on Chiefs. You've heard him on Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. He works with the Substack NFL33.com. And of course, his work on the YouTube channel with Daniel Harms, with Seth Kaiser, uh, RGRfootball.com. Plus, he's just a good guy. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL. Here's our friend Ryan Tracy. Ryan, we're glad to welcome you to the show. That's a lengthy intro. You're involved in so many more things than I've ever. I, I feel like at my eulogy, even the even the whoever is doing it's like, I, yeah, it's not. I he, he can't live up to Ryan. I tell you what, uh, you can ask Dan. It's going to put me in my grave, is what it's going to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks so much for carving out time. Just like before we begin, I would love to, like like how is this time of year for you? I know it's a lot of work, but 
like like are you like are you just like a like a kid like a little kid at christmas time when it comes to draft time like this or is it like i've done it for long enough that like actually i i guess i just kind of wonder what's the mood this month well i'll tell you um right this month gets gets pretty fun towards the end right now today is uh you know my favorite casey Pierco is the alt so yes. I'll get a six of that. And I'm going to be that little elf that is passed out on the floor after midnight <laughs> because right now I'm burning through. And maybe tonight I'm going to finish the draft guide so it will be available tomorrow. And it's like, Ooh. we've been cooking. I've got 300 hours into this draft so far. Dan's got probably close to that. Wow. We've been burning it. And uh, I'm about to hit the end of my rope. Man, that is, that's incredible. That's incredible. We're uh, We're so glad to have you join the show in the midst of uh, – Thanks You're for adding me. more hours to your work here, but yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, well, we'll be on the lookout for that and pass word around. Um, of course, we want to talk draft, but but um, Ryan, I'd love to like before we dive into Chiefs and the draft. There has been other signings, and we just haven't talked to you, gotten your feedback on free agency so far. And you know, we don't want to like get mired in moves that have been made way in the past here, but. Just curious if you had a favorite move so far this offseason for the Chiefs, one way or the other. I, I think my favorite move is the one that didn't happen. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't have to use the franchise tag. I think that was going to lock the organization into a path that I wasn't terribly comfortable with down the long haul. So mm. with you, if you had dumped another contract in for another year to 120% of what the last tag was – it just is good money after bad if you're not going to get that extension done eventually. And so that's my problem with it. And and I saw this comment in um, German. I'm going to try. I don't cuss on my show. So um, if I get started, it might turn into a really bad outcome. Um, <laughs> if the floodgates open, hey, we're all in man. trouble. Okay. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see how far I get down that road. Live uh, and let live, man. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you about Richie James, though. That's what I want to ask you about. Richie James, I know Matt Connors over here shaking his head. I was uh, talking about Richie James to Kansas City for a month. Uh, I just thought it made a lot of sense. And I know a wide receiver three, a wide receiver four, it's not sexy. It's not the move that a lot of people want. It's not DeAndre Hopkins. But what it is is a special teamer that hopefully uh, takes some pressure off of Kadarius Toney. What it does is it gives the Chiefs a McCole Hardman replacement, someone who can run those gadget plays. Again, while Kadarius Toney is phenomenal in that role, if you truthfully want him to be wide receiver one, if you truthfully want him to be the best wide receiver he can be, ease in his workload. Take some of the extra hits off him for a guy who's not been able to stay healthy. I love the Richie James move, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, honestly, he's a guy that has – what I feel is a, a low floor in terms of he can come in and just be a special teamer, and that helps, right? He can come in and get to the fourth, the fifth on the depth chart and help. He could get to the point where he's starting ball games, And so the, the plethora of things that he can do for you is big. And I'll say this. Uh, Justin Watson came in in a similar role last year where we thought he's going to play special teams. Maybe he can get on the field. And he ended up doing better than I thought he was going to do based on previous experience and obviously in a different offense. But I think what Richie gives you is somebody that you've already seen have to persevere through what he's been through in New York. And I generally like if you're going to connect guys that have played together before. So I like specifically for the Tony connection. If you have that, you have a little camaraderie, right? So it helps you bring into the circle of wide receivers a little bit 
a little bit quicker, a little bit easier, make that transition, because in the end, it's about chemistry. I think we saw the pluses and the minuses of that last season about how you get that chemistry and whether it really works. So now that there's off-season training going on for Patrick and whatever barn he's throwing out of, it, it comes down to what can you build right now? And I hope that that works out because I love to be pleasantly surprised, even though I'm generally a pessimist. So it is what it is. <laughs> I um, Of the free agent signings that have happened, is there is there a favorite there? Or in general, do you look and like what they've done? You just shrugged, so maybe not. N- nothing that's like stopped my heart. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm waiting to see. I, I am, and that's generally my outlook. Show me. Uh, you know, this is. I'm from Kansas, but everybody on the other side of the border knows. Show me. I want to see the proof because there are good guys that come in that have talent and have uh, experience, and maybe they'll make the transition. Maybe they'll fit into the Reed scheme. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't like Patrick's voice. They don't listen. You know, I, I, there could be a million things, right? So, like, I'm I'm generally uh, put up or shut up. And when you do, I'll, I'll get on board. But until then, I'm like, prove it. So, I think the, the best case of that is going to be Juwan Taylor as he potentially, at least the plan as of now, when you look at that contract, it has to be the move from right tackle to left tackle. What did you make of this? I, I know this is a while ago now, but I obviously want to get your thoughts on this. Orlando Brown Jr., you know what he is. He was an above-average left tackle. He, he probably was at his ceiling. The athleticism just wasn't there. Juwan Taylor, you're taking a large risk, but the ceiling is much, much higher. Obviously, this offensive line, Andy Heck, they want a more athletic tackle. That's what they want with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. What do you see from Juwan Taylor? What did you think of the move, especially in regards to how they're paying Juwan Taylor more than they would have had to pay, or at least what, Orlando Brown Jr. received from Cincy. Yeah, I think that's the really interesting part because that doesn't necessarily mean he would have taken that contract from KC. Yeah. And so that's that's where we get a little topsy-turvy there. But but you're right. It's a risk. Um, it's honestly more than I thought Juwan had earned to this point. Um, I think they saw what they, what they want in their attribute. And I think that's what some people get kind of fired up about this time of year is they want the perfect, well-rounded prospect in the draft. They want the same thing as a perfect fit in free agency. Well, the Chiefs have been notorious over the years of taking an aspect of your game, a trait, and hammering that down and letting you do what you do best. And I think that's where they're coming from here. The interesting thing for me is that Juwan really put it together last season and made some progress. I went back to my initial draft evaluation of him and I said he has the potential to play on the left-hand side if he can get his fundamentals down, if he can not let guys cross his face unabated, and I think that's what he's he's been able to develop. So I think it's possible. Is it still an experiment? Yeah. So, again, like I'm excited about it. I think it gives you the flexibility in the draft to take the best guy that can protect Patrick, whether that's on the left, the right. I mean, maybe it's the next guard in waiting. I don't know. I don't care. As long as there's a better wall in front of 15, then I'm okay. So I'm really excited to see what happens in OTAs, how he moves. I expect the athleticism to be really, really apparent. Depending on how they've paired him, we'll see where he comes along. And then I don't know that it's written in stone. The great thing about Juwan, and if you end up with someone like with Darnell Wright, or if you end up with a Broderick Jones, all those guys can play both sides. So it's going to be about fit. It's going to be who plays best next to Tooney, who can Tooney help the most. There's a lot of factors once we get on the field. So I'll be excited when we get there. We've been talking about maybe moves that you like, and you you said, show me, show me first. Uh, are you the same way with moves that you don't like, or are you down on something before you can be shown? 
I used to be. Um, and Brett Veach has taught me that I'm wrong. Um, and I need, <laughs> when, when I don't see it, I have a tendency to back off a little bit and be like, all right, they have to see something. And I've had some conversations with guys that have worked in this front office before, uh, either as scouts or some front office exec type that, that do the evaluations. And again, it, it always brings me back to, if they like something about your game, they're going to find a way to take that and, and blossom it and make it a mushroom that makes your whole game better. And so even when there are times where I can't see why, I generally say, let me see it on the field and, and I'll trust them to that point. Uh, if you want to trust something, don't trust my bets, but maybe you can trust your bets. If you want to bet, go to BetMGM and use code Arrowhead. Get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if you don't win. Minimum $10 bet required. New customers only 21 plus and present in Kansas. Gambling problem? Call text 1-800-522-4700-Kansas. See full terms at BetMGM.com or in the description below. Again, code Arrowhead. Bet MGM. Ryan, before we get into the draft, let me just ask you this. Is there one move that has you scratching your head from the Chiefs so far? Or a move they haven't made that you look and go, they could have totally done that? You know, I would have liked to seen something a little bit more aggressive on the defensive end position. But that tells me a couple of things that I'm makes me feel better about the longevity of the position, right? One is that, they feel that Karloftis fulfilled their expectations and that they can see where he's going from here. Um, George actually outplayed my expectations a little bit. Um, he, he looked more athletic. I think two things that we need to see from him is I need to see more Ben from him. I know he's working with Bobby. We'll see if that happens. You know, the torso is not something you generally improve as a professional, but we'll see. But I also feel like he still has a little bit of hesitation. He was more explosive in his first two steps at Purdue than he was last season. And I think being a sophomore in this defense, I think that's going to let him come on a little bit. I actually think he's going to improve in terms of like pressure totals and sack totals. And I think that's what the team is seeing here too. I also was a guy that was pretty high on him anyway when he came out. And I, I said, you know, he's got the length and the tools. Now you have to teach him. You got to coach him. And I think maybe two years ago and nothing against Brandon Daly – I think that would have been a very narrow path for both those guys. I feel with Joe Cullen on board, it opens options up. And I think what we're starting to see is not necessarily a must rush, but a bunch of guys that you can work in and out of the lineup at different positions. And that Cullen's got them all feasting on the same kind of concept. Attack a shoulder, get your man turned, rip past him, and destroy the quarterback. And that's what I'm here for. So I really don't care how it comes or who comes with it as long as it shows up. And I think that also is going to fall over into the draft concept as well. Let's get into the draft and some general draft overview. Uh, again, you mentioned you're putting 300 plus hours into this. I'm a draft guy too. I'm not putting 300 plus hours in it. Me and Matt Connor sitting here, we're, we're drinking beer. You know, we're, we're hitting, I'm hitting the links. He's going to concerts. We're not putting 300 hours into this. And this is why we have you on. You are our expert. As far as the draft, again, the general terms here, which positions do you have to take early in this draft? You know, if you want a, a quality, and, and I only have two first-round grades on wide receivers, if you want them, you got to go get them. I don't know that it's technically a value in this class myself because I think, especially after what, what the offense proved last year, that you don't have to have a prime time number one as a name. I think there are several guys that are going to be mid-round picks that you can see growing into that role, and that's probably the better investment. What we're seeing now is that we're getting squeezed in terms of 
the edges and the tackles. And obviously those are the top three needs for this, this team, right? I would put defensive interior pass rush probably very close behind those top three. So it gives you a little bit of leeway. But if you want a tackle, don't do like me in my mock drafts and screw around, screw around and wait for him to come to go get his ass is what I'm saying. <laughs> the same thing. If there's an edge that isn't Nolan Smith, because I love Nolan Smith and I wish we were still in the Justin Houston three, four days so that we could use him properly. But if you like him, go get him. I think there are guys that are going to fall like Miles Murphy that you can maybe make do with. I don't know if he gets all the way to 31, but I see Murphy as kind of a target when he gets to the McDuffie range of a guy that fits power, can do a number of things, has some explosion, but isn't consistent. I think that's like a worthwhile endeavor as well. So, A, I do expect the Chiefs to, to select on, on draft night number one, and I don't expect it to be at 31. Hmm. Where do you think the Chiefs can afford to wait? I mean, you you mentioned if they don't if they don't if they aren't swayed by having that top tier wide receiver, they can wait there. But what other positions are we going to see surprising levels of contributions from? Maybe in in getting into the day three picks. It's I mean honestly, it's the depth at corner, and I know it's a broken record. We got seven thousand corners that can play, right? But Lejarius's contract is coming up, and if you don't feel you can get there, or if he's just playing too well that he's gonna get offers that he can't refuse, you got to double down on what is a good class of corners and continue to restock behind the three that you have right now. A, it gives you that talent pool to continue to pull from and develop, which is, is a plus. But it keeps you cheap. That position group and the whole defensive backfield as a whole is gonna stay cheap, and that helps with Chris Jones' extension, with what has to happen with Mahomes in the future. And if you do have to go either overpay another tackle or a wide receiver, you got to have somewhere you can save some dough, right? And that may be it. I'm with you as far as I think the Chiefs do trade up. I I think they draft day one. I I don't think they stay at 31. But part of me also can make the case that trading back might be the best situation for them. There's two guys that I have in mind. Let me know your thoughts on them. I've talked to Daniel about this, and I wonder if you have the same thoughts or different thoughts. Derek Hall, the edge from Auburn. But again, you're not drafting him at 31. That's a second-round guy. Uh, Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver from Tennessee. He's 6'3" bigger body dude, but again, you're not drafting him at 31. What do you think of a potential trade back? Or I guess you could probably stay at 63 and maybe trade up and hopefully one of those guys is there at 63. What are your thoughts on those two guys? Those two guys in particular, I like them both. I'm not as high on Hall as Dan is, um, but I am with him on Tillman. I like A.T. Perry just a little bit more because he's a little bit more explosive, a little bit more athletic, and I want to see something set it apart. I like Juju Smith-Schuster, and I thought he brought a, a good like physicality to his position, but it didn't move the needle enough for me. That's why you have Travis Kelsey if you want to be physical, right? And I know he's 87 years old, but he's going to keep on ticking. So I want to see something that can stretch, can be more explosive in short area in particular, so it's the yak ability that I'm looking for. And that's why I like Perry a, a little bit in that same region. But I, I will tell you this, too. Generally, almost every year, I'm like, trade back, get more talent, spread it out, cheapen your overall roster. This year, when we're talking about a team that is missing, uh, there's four pillars of football for me in quarterback, tackle, corner, and edge, right? Chiefs need starters at two of those in my mind. So I'm the opposite this year. I'm saying pull out all the stops and go get the guys that you feel can make this roster better because that's your only way you're getting back to the Super Bowl. If you take three or four day two selections – 
It's not moving the needle in 2023. It might be great in 2025. In 2023, it's not helping you get back to, to the Super Bowl. Ryan, you bring up an interesting point, even like with that. Um, but also, here's what I've been thinking. You know, last year we made 10 selections that, you know, like what, nine of them ended up like making the roster. And then we saw Nazi Johnson even making the roster there at the end. I'm looking at this roster now after all the youth have played, just thinking it sounds great that they have another 10 picks, but there's not another 10 slots on this roster for all these rooks to make the team. Or if they do, maybe some valuable people are, are being purged out of that. Now, maybe that's not the worst thing to have the level of competition, but going along with what you're saying, I'm thinking I'd rather lose in quantity of picks if it gets me quality. Uh, I wondered what you thought of that because also it's important to get cost-controlled young talent and Veach has shown a great – and his staff have shown a real ability to find good contributors, you know, like last year, for instance. So, like, what's your take on sort of the balance there knowing the makeup of this draft class. I think my favorite thing that we've seen come, come to a very uh, a crystal clear light for me in the last couple of years is that Brett Veach attacks things two ways. And I think it's all about his experience, right? Not just with Andy back in Philly, but about what he's done since he's become GM. He got pushed around early. He got himself in situations where he had to go get a position Mm-hmm. not the best player to fit this team or even that position. And so I think he's done a, an excellent job lately of setting the table better. So there's not one thing he has to go do so he can take the best option in a number of ways. Are there 10 spots that can make this roster? I agree with you. I don't think there are. But if you're mm-hmm. looking to fill in that philosophy he's also used of drafting a year ahead, if you don't think you can get Chris done, you don't think you can get LeJarius done, there's two big positions right there that you want a rookie that you feel can move into it, right? Joe Tooney's not getting any younger. No offense, Kelsey isn't either. Now, I think Kelsey can play till he's 39 or 40 personally, but that means he has to have more help as those years go along in terms of taking snap count off of him. And I love Jody Fortson. I, I was the first guy on him. I interviewed him when he was still out there as a draft prospect and wasn't even in Kansas City yet. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And if you can't do that, you can't help Trav. And if you can't do that, then you're not helping the team. So maybe there's a tight end in the future too. There's another position that we don't usually talk about, but that might need a slot as well. So I think in the end, you could probably get seven, maybe eight that do make this 53 because you're preparing for 24 and beyond. So I, I want to keep on the tight end train for just a minute because that's been a hot topic here in Chiefs Kingdom. I've seen a lot of a lot of people saying the Chiefs should actually go tight end with the first round draft pick. And I, for one, think that is um, – asinine i think it's asinine and and here's why i'm not calling anyone who decides that if dalton kincaid's there i'm not saying you're 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 stupid i'm not saying for me it's a uh, philosophic difference and the reason being you and i agree we think travis kelsey has at least four more good years left in him right and if you have a first round tight end you're not getting the best years of him you're not getting the value that you would get from position of tackle, a position at edge, a position anywhere else, because he's going to be backing up Travis Kelsey. You can make the case that, yes, you'll use 12 personnel. You will use 13 personnel. Is it a mismatch for the defense? Yes, 100% it is, but you're not getting the same value, the same percentage of snaps in that you would at another position. So that's where I'm at when it comes to drafting a tight end in the first round. Don't know your thoughts, but that's where uh, where I'm at. 
I, I, I can get down with that. Everything you said makes sense, but there's a flip side to that coin because the way we're approaching it right now is that there's choice. And here's what happens. The Chiefs are notorious for this. I'll usually get about 20 guys as a first-round grade on my board. Chiefs go under that almost every year. They're somewhere between 16 and 18. If those 18 are gone and you can't get somebody to come up to 31, what do you do? If the tight end, especially Kincaid, is the best value on your board, you got to roll with it. Because if you can't get out of the pick and there's nowhere else to go, I'd rather they do that and run more 12 and see what you can do splitting him out into the slot than go take a, a flyer on, say, Hall in the first round that if he doesn't pan out is now a completely wasted pick. So I think it's very circumstantial about how the draft falls and what's available to you on your board still. I'm really keen to see if that makes them move up faster, give up more assets because they're running out of options. Really quickly, do you think that I've been hearing a lot about Hinton Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback. Uh, he's been going up folks' draft boards. That might make him a hot commodity at 31, which again would make the Chiefs' 31 draft pick a little more um, palatable to most people because they want that fifth-year option, especially on a quarterback. Is there any truth to that? What do you see from Hooker? Do you think teams are actually having him rise up their draft board? What's your thoughts here? Teams are like me. They've had their quarterback draft boards sit, set since probably November, and Hendon is my number three and has been all along. Uh, I do not think wow. that Anthony Richardson's deserves to go over Hendon Hooker because he's too much of a question mark. He's an ultimate payoff. He could be Lamar. He, I'm not even going to call him can. He could get to Lamar's range. He could also not ever put an offense together and just be a tailback. That is a significant risk here, and I think that's what NFL teams and execs are more risk-averse than we are out here in the media for certain, and the fan base incredibly so. So I think they see a guy that, despite an ACL tear, has a high, high floor in terms of being able to maneuver an offense. And I know people are going to tell you that the Tennessee offense is, you know, it's, it's, it's lollipops and rainbows, and they can't get anything done. He's played in other systems before, and when I watch his film, he moves around enough to recognize his options. Does he have to take them because they're predetermined? Probably not. But his head's on a swivel. I like the fact that he processes well. He's got the experience. He's got the athleticism. Even after the ACL, he'll still be a, a mobile quarterback, quote-unquote. Um, and I do think that he is a guy that can walk into an NFL room tomorrow and contribute, whether it's at as a backup or if he gets forced into starting. Hmm. Uh, Ryan, I want to go back to something we were just talking about earlier. We were talking about the cornerbacks. And you brought up this idea of, um, look, if if Legereus Sneed's going to get the offer, that's too good. And my heart broke a little bit there Me because too. obviously, you know, I mean, I mean, I love McDuffie, but overall, like, you know, Sneed Sneed to me feels like the ultimate chess piece. Like, like if there's two tent poles on defense, it's Jones up front that allows for so much. And then, and then behind behind that front line, it just feels like Sneed's presence and skill set specifically is what allows Spags to do so much. Um, I wonder what you think of like, am I overvaluing him? Uh, like, are are you okay with him taking off on like with an extension? Do you think he's fairly easily replaceable, or at least yes, he is replaceable? Uh, would you sign him to a long-term extension? I guess I just wonder, I, I want to talk about that because it has so much to do with what they do in the draft. 
Let me say this before anything else. Everyone in the NFL is replaceable. Every last person. It does not matter who you are. Patrick Mahomes goes, gets in a car wreck tomorrow because he's drinking and driving. He's replaceable. Everyone is replaceable at some point. It's just your threshold for pain that makes that determination. <laughs> and so for me, I, I, I have, I'm a little bit soft on Legarius because I found him so early. I was watching his teammate Robinson's film because I thought he was going to be a corner prospect that was going to go higher than he did. And I found this safety lurking out that looks like he can run with anybody. He can mirror with anybody. What's he doing? Why is he playing safety? And then I had to go back and back and back. And so it was, it was, I want to say it was March of that year that I was like, oh, I got to have this dude. And the Chiefs actually did it. And so I've just been in, in la-la land the whole time. Um, <laughs> and it's nice. Can he be replaced? It's difficult. Can you put him together in amalgamation with two players? Yes. But his particular skill set is not a, a, a very common one that you can go get. Yes. I love the fact that they're trying to get McDuffie to practice some of that, the inside-out maneuvers. He plays from a different style. Obviously, he only played like 18% man at Washington, right? So he's got a ways to go there. Whereas, I mean, Legereus just has that attitude that I feel he got some from Tyron, but I think it was innate as well. Mm -hmm. So I think he brings it all. I would extend him. I, I would have extended him already. <laughs> I would have taken whatever I had to do to, to move those cap numbers around as well. Obviously, he's not a, a huge cap hit right now. But if you could have gotten that down to a bare minimum, 1.5, and move it all out, then I would have done that. I think that's the problem is when you're that far, and as, as Bump is going to say, there's going to be interest. And that's what's where I'm concerned now. And so I'm trying to take my hat off of being a fan of that player and what he does and be more of a fan of the franchise. How do you, how do you get past that if you can't get it done? And that is protect yourself find other talent that you can't necessarily replace with him, but has other attributes, right? There are other players in this class that are good, that can do that. You're not going to get that length as an inside-outside guy. It's very, very rare, but you could do it if you have to. And in the meantime, you get these three pups that are coming up underneath Legereus right now. You get another generation of two, maybe three before below them. Maybe they got to be on the practice squad, but you get that mentorship. You get that that leadership of how he goes about it. And he learned some of that from Tyron. And he is a guy that wants to go out and dominate. I think that actually helps the organization down to its foundation. Where do you land, especially early on, like first round, second round draft picks in regards to floor versus ceiling? Because the Chiefs are at a point where they need guys to make an impact and step up week one, game one. Um, Carl Loftus, again, for, for an example here, Daniel and I went back and forth last year. I was high on Carl Loftus for that reason. I go, I understand he doesn't have a super high ceiling, but I know he can play week one and he can come in and make an impact. It won't be a huge impact, but I'm not going to sit here and say there's a black hole at that position. I trust he'll be, he'll be ready week one, right? So I've, as I've honestly gotten older, I think I've gotten more into I think I like the dudes with the high floor compared to the high ceiling because you're always sold on potential. It's so easy to sell someone on potential, but you've been burned so many times, especially in this iteration of where the Chiefs are. They have so much talent strewn about this lineup, about this entire roster. You kind of need high floor guys. Where do you land here? You know, I, I try not to get swayed either way. I'm looking for a range that tells me I, I don't want a guy that's like this, right? That's got a floor here and a ceiling. I want guys like this, that their floor and their ceiling are pretty tight. And then if I can coach them up, I can get more 
more height out of him if I need to. But that's the thing. When you're at this position, it really depends very highly on your roster. When the Chiefs were picking in the teens, when they when they were t- picking at 23, at D Ford, you wanted to get somebody that had some ceiling. So that was a, f- a four-year selection, five-year with the fifth-year option that was going to give you down in, down out the production that you needed. Now that you're at 31, I'm sorry, the floor is pretty high at this point. Mm-hmm. You, you can adapt to not having uh, a guy that hits uh, that floor all the time if his ceiling is worth the risk. And so I think actually the makeup of the Chiefs and what they've done in the last four years allows them to take a little bit more risk. But I will say this, it's still got to have that floor. You have, to, you have to have the grade. You have to be a first rounder for me to take you in the first round. That's just the way that it works. That's why we put grades on people. And I think the teams are very adept at making sure that they stick to that, at least most teams anyway. But I think the interesting part comes in day three when you have a guy that has enormous ceiling or has a floor that you feel can fix his ceiling. That's what I'm, I'm pushing for in later rounds. So I do go floor early, ceiling later, but it's not as dramatic as it used to be. Ryan, you mentioned earlier, look, there's four pillars of positions and two of them need starters. Um, I want to talk to you about this tackle class and what makes some of them special. But to go with what the Chiefs already have, is it a fool's errand to rely anything on Lucas Niang? I'm not in the building. I haven't seen him work out. I haven't talked to his physicians. I will tell you this, but teller tendon rupture is incredibly difficult to come back from when you're 250 pounds. When you're 350 pounds, the shear forces on that are just crazy. Any biomechanist will tell you that. So it really is about him. Is he recovering to the point that they have faith? And I don't mean Rick Burkholder. I mean the physicians that are going to have to repair him again if he doesn't make it through. Mm. And so I think that's where the risk assessment comes in that you have to pay a little bit more attention to. I don't think what they've done to this offseason tells me that they're uh, in the, the boat that they feel he can be the right tackle for 20 games next season and go win another championship. But I do feel that they feel that he's shown something that gets them down the road that he, he's not – just going to go blow it out again. So his rehab has to be progressing to the point that they want to keep him on the roster. Otherwise, I think they would have done more at the position in free agency, to tell you the truth. But you always have to hedge your bets, and you got to have a backup. So for me, it's about, again, the versatility of the guys in this class allow you to kind of hedge around that bet and have three guys that maybe the rookie has to be a swing this year. That's great. If Lucas plays 20 games and they get a ring, perfect. If he plays 12 games – gets hurt again and can't go the rest of the year. Prince Teganwanago is not starting ball games for me, and that's just the the, the bare fact of it. So you got to have an option. Uh, everyone listening to this right now, I would very much appreciate it if you would like, if you would hit the like on the, scri- on the stream and subscribe. We obviously want Ryan Tracy back here. Uh, he told us he's only going to come back if you guys like and subscribe. I know it's weird. Very weird re- uh, request. Very awkward. But we're like, I guess, man. We're like, sure. Appreciate it, dude. He must have had a couple KC beers. That's probably what's going on over here. But I want to talk about the first round. We've talked about the, the draft as a whole. You already said you're, you're thinking the Chiefs are moving up for 31. Before we get to what you think they will do, what's the move that you want to see the Chiefs do in the first round? I've been hammering on it all spring, and I, I I do that so that everybody can give me every kind of negative feedback about my concept, 
And I can think that through from angles that I don't generally come to. And that's, that's the whole point of it, right? For me, mock drafts happen multiple times a week because I want to see every possible scenario I can come up with. But I keep coming back to the fact that the, the guy that I think represents the most value at a true left tackle in this draft is George's Broderick Jones. And he's not the most polished and he's got a couple of issues. But I mean, the dude's going to put defensive ends that you know and love in this league on their asses. And that's what I'm here for. So no more of this pushing people around. We're going to dink and dunk you. We're going to go kill Mahomes. None of that. Like the the toe and the ankle are enough for me. I've had enough of Patrick limping. Thank you very much. <laughs> so that's the move that I like. I love the fact, too, that Skaronsky is a quality player. And Skaronsky, who I think actually belongs at guard, can play four positions. And I think that versatility keeps him up ahead of Broderick which keeps him in striking distance for the Chiefs. Now, Paris Johnson is, is a, a very good tackle as well. He's a little bit different. He's a little bit more finesse. I can live with that. I don't like his anchor as much, but I could get by with that. But I'm, I'm trying to take the attitude of this is what I think is best for the team. Let's go try to do that. And so that's the move up that I would probably make at the tackle spot. And if not, then I am crossing all my fingers that Darnell Wright stays around because he's, he's got the feet that I can – live with for his size. Dwan Jones isn't an option for me. He's off my board in the first round, no matter what. Well, that was actually my, my, my question kind of follow up here is the comparison of Broderick Jones to Darnell Wright and the cost to go up and get either one, you know, for example, where do you think you need to go to get Broderick Jones and how much draft capital would the Chiefs have to give up compared to a Darnell Wright? What does he bring compared to Broderick Jones, but also how much less would you have to give up to get him? I love the fact that everybody seems to think that uh, Hooker's coming into the first and there's a couple other guys rising. So th- let them rise. That's great. Send everybody else down. I think you probably got to get to 19 mm-hmm. if you want to get Broderick. And that becomes cost versus reward. And, and I completely understand that. The difference being, and this is, this is twofold, because what the Chiefs have asked Juwan Taylor to come in and be – is whatever they need him to be. And kudos to him. He seems to have that attitude. He seems to understand what's going on. He's playing by what the team needs. But let's be real. To be perfectly optimistic about the best scenario is you draft a left tackle and Juwan stays on the right. And you bite the bullet for overpaying him for a right tackle, but he's at home. And I think that's the best scenario. If you have to flip him and Darnell plays right, you can live with it. Now, Darnell's been on the left a little bit as well. I can't remember the number of snaps off the top of my head, but I know he's been out there. So you have a little bit of versatility there too. But in the end, don't ask guys to change if you don't have to. And if you can make that happen. Chiefs have uh, the grade on Broderick that I do. They may have him lower because of some of the flaws. But uh, I have a tendency to overlook some things that uh, I don't feel are as important in today's game. <laughs> uh, Matt Connor, what, what do you call Juwan Taylor staying at right tackle if you go out and draft a left tackle, even though you overpaid Jawan Taylor to be a right tackle. I don't care where they play. For it's a me. sunk cost. Oh, Come on, cost. baby. <laughs> Who cares if you pay him that much money? It's a sunk cost at this point. He's on your roster. You draft a left tackle, play the left tackle, and keep him at right tackle. I like that thought process, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, I want to bring up a couple other tackles here for you. Because um, you, first of all, you mentioned Dewan Jones is off the draft board in the first. Only in the round. first round. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is that just? Too much of a mauler, like kind of a we've had that, done that, and and that's not what we need there. 
it's like, not oh. even that he is a mauler because he, he is good at that. And honestly, he's he's adept at what he does. But in the end, you run up against that ceiling that yeah. he can't get too athletically. And you end up, in my opinion, back where you were with Orlando. Yeah. The long, tall, strong guy that just can't move enough to make it everything that you're looking for. The one name that's kind of escaped this conversation is Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, who is often mentioned in this grouping. Uh, is he is he day two for you? Is is that not happening on your board? He's right on the edge. I think I, I want to say I have him in the mid thirties. So yes, a day two pick, but not by a long stretch. Certainly wouldn't be a reach to take him at thirty one. Um, I have a little bit more uh, trouble with some of the technical skills. Um, I, I do feel that he, uh, unlike say Dwan and uh, Darnell. Uh, he is more of like a Fisher type. Like I, he doesn't have the play strength in his upper body. I, I think to to be substantial right off the bat, much like Fish was his first couple of years, where he had to get in the weight room and he had to get stronger, but he was athletic. He could move his feet. That worked out pretty well in the end. There are a lot of people who wish Eric Fisher was on this roster right now. If I can read through the lens here, but uh, that's that's perfectly fine. I think Anton's he's is behind uh, Darnell right on my board but he's the next guy down. So I think it's it's perfectly viable. The question is, are the edges that are available or the wide receivers that are available enough that he's higher than them when it comes to 31 for the Chiefs to select him? So we talked about the move that you want them to make, but what's the move that you think the Chiefs will make? I think in the end, they're going to see Jordan Addison fall into around the 20 to 23 range, and they're going to go get him and plug him into the offense and say, I don't care about the size. I don't care whatever. He runs good routes. He's going to work for us, and he's got Patrick another weapon for the next five years. Wow. Can you can you break that down? Like of all sure. the – like like go like why go up and get him, especially when there's such a need in the trenches? Uh, it, it comes down to this. There's only two wide receivers in the first round grade on my board, and I'm guessing the Chiefs might even be stingier than me when it comes to that position, and it is JSN and Jordan Addison. Quentin Johnson isn't enough of a, a well-rounded player right now for me to justify 31 or anything above it. I have a feeling the Chiefs likely feel that way as well because they generally want somebody they can project to not just uh, come in and have a redshirt year. They want you to be able to put in some snaps in this offense, and that is a tall, tall order which I think Sky Moore actually proved that it's not a walk-in-and-play situation. It never is for that position. And I think what Addison and JSN bring is, is obviously they're smaller. Um, and I used to think that Andy wanted to build out, you know, a basketball team-type wide receiver core. I don't think he cares anymore. I think it's just about if you're small and you're going to be in contested catch situations, do you win them? In the end of the day, are you going to get that reception or not? And even though I think the whole six-foot area is is – is where everybody's at. I think that Addison is a guy that might be second on their board that can do a number of things. Now, he's not as sudden as JSN, and, and I wish that he was. I think he was a little bit more sudden at Pittsburgh, to tell you the truth. But he goes to SC. I never felt like he and Williams were on the same page as much as he was with Kenny. So I think there was a little bit, uh, again, of chemistry problem there that took a little while to develop. Uh, and and I Everyone's kind of down on him because of the output at SC that should be Lincoln Riley and the whole thing, and I get that. That's fine. I don't think that projects anything to the professional. When you get to that level and you work with Andrew and Patrick Mahomes, things change. And I think we've all seen the level rise there. What I like about Jordan Addison is he can dissect what the defense is doing. He can run his route and adjust his route to where he needs to be. 
and going from Pittsburgh to SC to Kansas City, I think that shows that he's ready for a transition and he will be able to make that leap faster than anybody else and maybe even faster than Jason. I know Zay Flowers, as James points out in the chat here, that's also the the, the name that's been a, a hot commodity, right? Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers. You, you didn't mention him. You didn't bring up Zay Flowers. Why not? Where do you think he falls to? Is he still going to get drafted in the first round? What are your thoughts on him? I have not had him on my first round board yet. And I, I jumble it every week to see, you know, what are, what are my grades coming through? What's changing? I think he's he's a top 50 pick. I just don't think that the Chiefs need somebody of that size. It's one thing to get a six-foot or a 5'11 receiver that fits into the mix. It's another thing to go that much smaller because you got to remember, everyone's going to say Tyreek was that small and he was sudden too and all that. Tyreek was a fifth-round pick, and yes, there were off-the-field reasons for that, but that's the truth, and that investment was worth the squeeze. First-round pick for a guy that size in this league – I'm not sure that it's worth the squeeze. Now, I like his game, and I think that he has room to improve as well. But I'd be more willing in a situation – he'd be one of my targets if the Chiefs did trade back out of 31 because mm-hmm. I think 40-ish, that's a, a better value. 45, I'm, I'm really happy with that selection. Hmm. When you talk about what they'll do, what you think they'll do, and then you say trade up, if they stay where they are, and the kind of players, you know, obviously by that time you probably are talking about – Everyone who rated on their, you know, first, everyone labeled first round pick is probably gone. Um, if they have to stay there, um, I mean, do you do you think that they would just go tight end, or or what do you think would a value like Harrison work best there? That's a tough one uh, because I, I think the value of of using the tight end at thirty one versus Harrison, who you know would come in and play and start. I mean, yep. let, let's be real. There's there's no competition in that point. It's Jawan, go back to where you're happy, and we'll we'll put Anton in here. Um, I, I think that may be the the tiebreaker there, um, unless there is a discrepancy or some kind of flaw in in their evaluation of one of those players that I haven't found yet because I haven't been very closely rated. Um, I'm not a huge tight end in the first round kind of guy. I was one of the few people that was out on pits in the top ten. Um, so like maybe I have some bias in there, but I, I think. Th- the Chiefs are going to lean towards what helps the offense as a whole. And I think in that situation, I think it's Anton over Kincaid in terms of impact to the offense, particularly in the first two years. Um, if they if they stay there otherwise, and there's just no one left that they, they feel has a, a great grade, that's where I think you start to look at the corners. Because I think there's quality there, and I think there's going to be a, a good run of them in the first, but I think there's still going to be quality there at 31 as well. And then it's really interesting. Do you pull the trigger on everybody's like bedazzled fashion item of the season, the undersized pass rusher from the interior three tech that can't actually move any guard in front of him? That's going to be the, the, the problem here. Kalaja Kansi, Tommy Adaware, uh, Carl's going to go later. And I like Carl. So d- d- Bowling Green, small school, but take him in the third, and I'm pretty happy with that. The first makes me nervous. Uh, I, I want to touch on that tight end thought really quickly because I again I again I'm with you on the no first round tight end and just to put it through a little more in folks' head. Here are the last ten or the last from ten years ago until now tight end is drafted in the first round. Let me know if you think it's worth it. Tyler Erfurt for the Bengals, Eric Ebron for the Lions, OJ Howard for the Buccaneers, Evan Ingram for the Giants. He's 
pretty solid, but he's no longer even on the Giants. David Njoku for the Browns. Hayden Hurst for the Ravens. He's on his, what, third team now. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, again, for the Lions. Uh, Noah Fant for the Broncos. And then Kyle Pitts to the Falcons. You go through that list. The only person you're like, all right, maybe TJ Hawkinson. But even Kyle Pitts, he was drafted fourth overall. I don't. That's not worth fourth overall to me. I just don't see the value of a tight end in the first round. It, it's tough, and it's especially when we're talking about Kansas City because they're one of the few exceptions, right? Because people will tell you he'll play for Andy Reid, and look what Andy did for Trav. He changed the offense to fit Kelsey, and Kelsey will tell you this. It, it is the adjustments that Andy Reid to make Travis Kelsey what he is. Could that have happened if it was Pitts? Yeah, okay, Andy's going to do something, but – he can't devote that time or the offensive reps or the, the quantity of targets because he's got Travis Kelsey. So it just doesn't work for this team in particular. Maybe if, if Sean Payton is, is the next guy that you think is the next, you know, best way to adapt a tight end into an offense, maybe he's the guy that pulls the trigger. I hope that the Broncos do. Good luck with it. <laughs> yeah, no offense. We're done great. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, let me ask you this. Uh, I don't know if you're the praying type of guy, but if you are, if you were – when you go to bed tonight, you're asking the good Lord, please do not let my favorite team do this or take this guy. Is there someone who fits in that blank in the first and even the second round? Um, the guys that I really want to avoid are, are, I think, overinflated quarterback prospects. So obviously we don't have to worry about that. Um, the other thing that I that I – I don't worry because I don't think the Chiefs will make a mistake of drafting a guy that doesn't fit their archetype, especially on offense. But what I worry is the pick they don't make because I do think there's playmakers in here that don't necessarily fit Spag's system that they'll pass on because they're not Spag's guys. Hmm. That's my worry. Nolan Smith in particular is one of them because <laughs> yeah. if everybody keeps falling, I just did it last week in a mock that everybody threw a fit because he was there. He's an excellent player. Does he have to be in a specific system and not go in and play four eye over guys? Yes. But my big thing is I'm reading this offseason with all these interchangeable pieces in my mind. And many who can play outside from anywhere from a wide nine, and I'll take them all the way into three tech, and I trust him to do it. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Karloftis. You have a lot of guys on this defensive front, with the exception of Derek Nottie, who's you know a straight-up one tech or nose tackle, that can play up and down the line. They could go more hybrid. You could see more three-man fronts if Joe Cullen has, has gotten in Spag's ear and whispered a little bit, you know? So, like, my big thing is don't overlook the talent because it doesn't fit what you've done before. I do think there's something the Chiefs are doing. I don't know what your thoughts are on this as well, but especially defensively, it's going to be different because basketball to football is really difficult to compare, but it's almost similar to what the Golden State Warriors did as far as positionless basketball positionless football where you have guys who can play multiple different spots uh you, you talked about the defensive line you talked about luxurious need brian cook can almost play linebacker as well he can do a lot of different things uh, drew tranquil for example he had five sacks last year but he's also known as a coverage linebacker there's that versatility for you you think there's something to that that the chiefs defense is somewhat evolving again not positionless because the nfl you can't be positionless but to have more versatility yeah, I think we've seen it in years past uh, in the secondary in particular for Spags, right? All the three safety sets uh, go into the robber more, like just being unpredictable. It's not just the versatility. You have to have that to be unpredictable. But that aspect of the defense actually works and helps you overall. 
I hope that they do that on the front because a lot of these guys I think are capable of being five techs. If you want to just, you know, go with the trend, maybe, maybe against Burrow, maybe against somebody that you feel you want to give them some strange looks. Okay. Just rush three and let one of them be Chris and see who else can get home. And we'll just do all kinds of crazy zone drops around you and keep you confused. I love the concept. Tranquil fits into that concept pretty dang well. Uh, I love that you bring up Cook because he's one of my guys that I'm just waiting for him to, you know, blow a little steam off, get a little less hot-headed, and we're in business. So I, I, I'm, I'm just about there. But, yeah, I, I think that that's important. And that's that brings me back to the guys. I wasn't trying to run down the undersized defensive tackles because in the second and the third round, I think they're good values. And I think those are also guys who can come in and get pass rush in the A gaps and the B gaps next to Chris Jones that might allow you to do that some more. Ryan, I, I I know we're we're running up against time here. You've been very generous with your with your insight and your time. Give us a draft crush from day two that you would love to see, and then one draft crush from day three. From day three, just so okay. we can get you out there with a quote, and then we can say he called it. He called it. <laughs> okay, okay. I like BJ Ojolari. He's just a guy that fits for me because he's got enough power that he can play the hand down four three edge. But he's snappy enough. He's got a nice little spin move. It's one of the few dudes in this class that I've seen actually execute a cross chop successfully. So he's got enough technique that you feel you can build on that. It's just he's a little light in the pants. And he doesn't bring all that power, right? So, like, he's a little bit of a stretch. But I like him on day two quite a bit, and I think he will be there. Uh, day three, man, pushing me now. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think AT lasts that long. Like in my mind immediately goes to wide receiver, right? Because I think there there is depth there. Um, Matt Landers is a guy that I kind of dig. I think he can put some numbers up. I even like Charlie Jones. Um, what did Charlie come in at? 50, 50-1-1? Yeah. So he's, he's in that range of the Sky Moore type thing, and I think that's another option. Um, one of my favorite concepts this year is um, the Jody Fortson Express. Uh, Elijah Higgins and Bobo from UCLA are – Big wide receivers that I think can come in and learn to play tight end if they have to line up as an H or whatever and split out into the slot and be really nice. They're both going to be day three guys, might even be both seventh round guys. And I think that those are two guys that I think you could plug into this offense to see what happens. Uh, Finally, Deuce Vaughn. We have a lot of K-State people who listen to the show. I'm a Mizzou guy myself, uh, very big Mizzou guy, so I can't wait for Luther Burden to be a chief in just a couple of years. It's going to be outstanding. Uh, but Deuce Vaughn's obviously a, a fun name here. He's explosive in college. He's stronger than he looks. He's not afraid to go in between the guards, not afraid to go in the middle instead of just popping it to the outside like you think a guy of his size would. Uh, he's a explosive receiver when he gets the ball into his hands obviously the size will be an issue when it comes to being a traditional third down back because picking up blocking is going to be hard I know that was Daniel's main concern but I also go you know he has the want to which is a big part of it I understand the size isn't there but a big part of pass protection is throwing your body there is getting it on the line and he's willing to do that what do you make of Deuce Vaughn in the the fourth, the fifth, where I probably think you'd probably go? I love the concept. And, and follow me down this path. If you actually draft a quality left tackle, and you don't have to chip the hell out of him every five seconds. Deuce doesn't have to block. So I'm down with it. I don't see Deuce as a fourth-round pick. I think he's a sixth, seventh UDFA guy, but I'd have him all day long. I love his energy. I think he can play the role, particularly in the pass game, and I don't need him to stand next to Mahomes all day. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I think it'd be so fun. Again, fourth is on the highest I have seen. I think realistically, personally, my thought is the fifth round because I think some team will like to see his explosiveness at some point. Don't know where it might be, whether they try and use a D'Anthony Thomas type of situation. Just get in the ball in his hands no matter what. We'll find a way. I just think the talent is there. And again, the the skill set and the competitive nature of Deuce Vaughn is there. Yeah, and hey, um, everybody's concerned about, you know, when are they going to select one? What are they going to do with CEH? I don't think Brett Veach cares. He'll take seventh-round running backs all day long and plug them all in until somebody works. So, yep. And bring Jarek back just before camp. <laughs> Ryan, you've been uh, you've been so generous with your time. It's so good to catch up. Uh, I, I can't believe we waited this long to have you on the show. I know, Thank right? you so much for coming out. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of talk, and uh, usually Dan's the only one that's put up with me this long. So, cheers. We love it. We love it, folks. Make sure you follow Ryan Tracy at Ryan Tracy NFL on Twitter. Catch his work at RogueAPC.com, RGRFootball.com. Check out his YouTube channel, Locked On Chiefs, Locked On NFL Draft. Go, <laughs> go, just Google him and find the myriad places you can see him. But Ryan, thanks again so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. You got it. Take care. Boy, that was great. I like. I just yeah. love. I, you could tell three three hundred hours, dude. Three hundred hours. I, I don't think I've spent that long with my wife in marriage. Like, like, that's just a long time. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that was great, Ryan. We so appreciate that. If you're if you're still listening somehow, folks, really, if you are out there and you can follow Ryan, support what the, what he's doing uh, with with Daniel Harms, etc. It's it, just great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, make sure you give it a listen. Uh, I did not get to add. You know what I want? I want a defensive tackle, and he even brought it up, and I didn't get a chance to ask. And you I, brought this up literally yesterday. When we were doing sports radio together. I want one. I want one in the first round. I, I just want it. And uh, I, yeah, now that I hate, yeah. Anyway. Apparently I, Ryan might come back on just to answer your question. He's that He literally came out of nowhere. He's just oh, sitting man. in the background like, wanna... you know what? Screw it. Let, let, let's get into this. No, I didn't. Oh, gosh, I didn't mean to make more demands of a guy. I just thought, you know, I you are a demanding person, man. Ryan. Am I crazy? <laughs> Ryan, am I crazy for wanting a defensive tackle at thirty-one? No, because they might be there. And I'll tell you this: I have I have kind of a crazy theory about how I would see that happening, because everybody puts this guy as a defensive edge, and I don't think he is. And I'm not convinced he's going in the top fifteen because he never started a ball game at Iowa. But even if you have to move up a little bit, 25, something like that, you put Lucas Van Ness next to Chris Jones in this defense, Ooh. and I'm sold. So, yeah, like I could see that happening, to tell you the truth. Love it. Love it. Do you like anyone else? Um, oh, I love them all. It, like in the first round in that way? <laughs> first rounder, guys? I mean, obviously, the, the big question is going to be, what happens to Jalen Carter? Yeah. You could see him fall out of the teens, and then do the Chiefs go do that? Because, quite frankly, he's the only one in this class – outside of Will Anderson, that I think can be as good as Chris Jones. question is, does he want to? And I don't I know it. that. I need to know if that can be possible. That's what I need. Yeah. I mean, right. Keon White's another guy you could look at. Um, I do like his game. Um, and then Brian Breesy? 
Yeah, I I don't think I would spend thirty one on him, but I could I could go in the second round and feel All pretty right. good about it. Brian Greasy, File I think that. he's a little old. I think Brian Greasy is a little old, Matt. Hey, hey. I'm a little old, but I got that right. Uh, all right, I love it, man, Ryan. I'm sorry. We already said all the good things about you. I'm not doing it again. Uh, yeah, don't. But uh, but we love this bonus time. Thanks so much, man. Cheers, man. Have a good one. <laughs> all right, man, what question good. do we need to think about to bring him back? How good on? of a guy. I'm afraid what to say anything now. <laughs> by the way, by the way, right now, if I said, you know, I just wish I had a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch in front of me, I feel like Ryan would reappear on the show with a bowl of something like, like waiting for me. He's just like, he's that good at like serving it up. Anyway, <laughs> love it. So we end every show with what's called the must list. Uh, Richard's been sitting idly by our producer. We love him. You know him. Um, and uh, yeah, Richard, how are you holding up through all this NFL draft talk? You're, you're not a draft guy. No, it's boring guys. I can't, I can't stand it. Can someone send me an espresso. I'm dying over here. No, I'm loving it. I'm loving you. I'm loving everything you guys are bringing here to the table. I hope you guys are enjoying it too. If you don't keep up with the draft, but you're hearing all these random names, is it like, is it like my mom going to Comic Con or something and just hearing all these like, she'd be like, it's like me going to Comic Con, dude. You could, I don't know. Yeah, it's the same thing. My mom would be like, who's, who's Ant Man and why does everyone have pest problems? <laughs> That's a bad joke. Sorry. Anyway, I, I took it. Hey, but, but before we do this, though, before we do this, I want to do something special. All right. We're doing something special. And that is we are giving 10% off your order with a super secret promo code for this week's listeners. Yeah, guess what? We're back, baby. We have merchandise. You want merchandise? We have merchandise. The code is Stone Cold. All one word. It'll expire by Saturday, but you get 10% off at when you check out if you use it. Richard has been gloriously working behind the scenes to get this done. People in the Discord channel have asked for special stuff. And what has Richard done? He has made said special stuff. So if you want to get 10% off your stuff and merchandise at checkout, use the code Stone Cold. You know, as much as we talk about cereal and cereal bowls on the Arrowhead Attic podcast between all of us, we need like AA cereal bowls, like to hold our cinnamon toast crunch. I'd like that. We'll, see, like we'll see if they're in the shop. We'll see if they're in the shop. All right. Sounds good. Folks, it's, uh, it's time for our must list, the time of the podcast where we all bring something we recommend, no matter what it is. We are, we are categoryless. We are without boundaries. We are doctors without borders. Uh, <laughs> folks, uh, for your must list this week, I'll, I'll start this week. I want to go. I found a guy. Abraham Alexander is his name. Get this. He's born, he's born to Nigerian parents. Grew up in Greece, the only black family at his school. So they moved to the States. His parents die in an auto accident, gets adopted, tries to play professional soccer, tears his ACL. Someone gives him a guitar during rehab. And now he's making music with like Leon Bridges and all kinds of other people. I'm a huge Michael Kiwanuka fan. I don't know if you guys are into him or not at all. He, um, if you ever watch the show, like I think it's called Big Little Pretty Little Lies or something like that. It had like Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, a bunch of folks like that. He did like the theme music to that. And dude, he is so badass. But anyway, the new guy, Abraham Alexander, reminds me of that guy. It is like so smooth. It's like acoustic R and B. 
it's just badass. It's so badass. So anyway, I'm throwing that out there because I not only I thought, man, that story is crazy, but his music is incredible. So uh, yeah, that's my must list for the week. What about you guys? So I'll go second. I'll let Richard take us home. Uh, for my music one, I will do Dream Theater Images and Words. Uh, this is my favorite Dream Theater album, Mike Portnoy. I just He's just a phenomenal drummer. One of the best drummers in the world. That tiny little one. I'm trying to point to this. is really difficult. That little, gosh, this is that guy, that little guy. Uh, my book was Housemaid by Frida McFadden. It's been very popular, popping up everywhere. My girlfriend read it. She's like, you have to read it. And so I'm like, okay, I'll read it. Uh, it was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. Not anything crazy, but a psychological thriller, right? The book's great. Until about 30 pages before it ends, there's just something that's so unrealistic that happens. I audibly said this morning, I said, what? Like, I just was like, come on. Come on, you're better in this. Like this book has been outstanding and it ends good too. Like the last final bit's good, but there's that like five to 10 page range where I sit here and just go, come on, you can't be serious. You wrote this great book and did your did your uh, your 12 year old kid write this? Was this just the best you could come up with? You're better than this, Frida. You're better than this. But the rest of the book was great. I still recommend it. The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. I like that mediocre book review. You're like- <laughs> Other no, than it's these a great book. crappy pages. It was a great book, except for 10 pages. It's like, I'm not going to give it a bad review because of 10 pages, but it's sitting here just like, come on. Hey, guys, like, the thing you must read is this thing that made me say what? It's a great yeah. book. Like, I, I really enjoy it said book. Yeah, no, I think this what? is a good idea. It's a good book. It's like, you must read it, and then you understand the book's great, except for those 10 pages. Sorry, it's not Leo Tolstoy who's going to write a 900-page memoir about Dude. war and peace. We should, re- we should rename this segment here. We're going to rename oh. this segment Sterling's Fairly Good Book Recommendation. Okay, that's what, that's Anna Karenina is up next. Okay, like, what do you want from me? <laughs> All right, Richard, get us out of whatever he's smoking over there. All right, well, I'm smoking stuff too this week because uh, I'm going to break. <laughs> I'm breaking the streak. The breaking the streak of normal stuff. We were talking about Fringe yes. and, and the Who yes. and ET, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and just offer a very polarizing must list as well. Uh, I've recently gotten into a band that's been active for like about five years now. So I'm behind. They're called Clown Core. It's two guys dressed up as clowns. Think Slipknot. Think Scary Clowns, and they're making jazz funk fusion metal uh typically in a toilet that's one album one album's called toilet and they make it all in a porta potty then they have another album called van they do their whole performance in a moving van but but this is for sterling the drummer there who is speculated to be lewis cole this multi-instrumentalist he's amazing this guy he does the most insane shit check out google computers by Clowncore. there is one little line here this is you know, sterling can, can you handle this dude's doing Synth bass line, left hand. Yada, yada, yada. He's holding a stick in his left hand because every once in a while he's hitting the snare. Right foot, he's doing the uh, he's doing the kick. Right hand, another synth. And he's just rocking. He's going boom, 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 snap, boom, 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 snap. And there's this guy playing sax in the front seat. Oh, it's smooth. It's beautiful. It's the craziest thing. I don't think anyone's going to like it, and that's fine. But <laughs> art, should, art should make you feel something as much as it made Sterling go, what? And I think everyone should Google Clowncore and just... Let their feelings go, even if it's just Richard's full of shit this week. That's okay. Well, if it's full of shit, they can go to join the porta potty they made that music. In. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Clowncore, just just Google it. It's kind of cool. Exactly, and it, every once in a while they'll punctuate a song, and it's 
it's like to, to comedic effect and it's perfect. They'll punctuate like one of their songs and they'll just go, ha ha. They'll have like horns <laughs> stationed all over the car and the porter potty. It's amazing. It's the funniest thing ever. Are they related to Insane Clown Posse? Do they like branch off? Were they like part of the posse? And then the posse was like, no, dude, we had a, we had a falling out. We're going to come up with clown core. I don't think they communicate that, you know, but, but let's hope, let's hope one day there's like a big, a big kind of the co- a congregation of all the clown bands, you know, you got Slipknot kind of, they're, they're clowns to me. They look what, like, what it. if they had like a clown off? Like we, we just get them on. It's like battle of the bands, but battle of the clowns. I think we are really onto something here. I think, I think we could pull that off. That could be a <laughs> right. festival in, in itself. Uh, I'm just picturing someone trying to fit in a porta potty with those giant hoop pants that clowns wear or the big shoes <laughs> the big you have like shoes, toilet dude. paper stuck in their clown shoes as they're walking around yeah folks uh this is the arrowhead addict podcast i'm taking this out of here uh my name is matt connor you can follow me at matt connor aa uh the better follow is at home stretch kc that's my man sterling holmes uh richard follow him to whatever he's listening to lately and we always appreciate him more than anything else we say this again and again but we mean it we appreciate you for listening in any way for watching at any time for being a part of our community here at a hey you guys are what make all this possible and make the what we root for uh the passion that we have for the chiefs that much more meaningful folks we love you we'll see you soon and uh, look forward to the draft until next time bye Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.